This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com and digmeoutunion.com. Either one of those works. We have multiple for you just to make it easy. And you know what, Jay? Some people have discovered what? us. Really? Yeah. I, I mentioned at the last end of the last episode, we need to give a shout out to uh, Matt Stop, who joined us. He's hey, become Matt. a new union member. And also, I this was a couple weeks ago, Gregory Brown joined us. And I did not uh, mention that. So hey, Gregory, just, just getting them all in here. I thought uh, we had found everybody by by now. You're telling us there's still people out there to still people out there that are into this stuff. Yeah. Huh. And uh, one of the people that's, that's uh, into this is joining us for this patron selected episode. Fanfare, please. There we go. Welcoming back to the show, Jason Pan. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? G'day. Nice to talk to you both again. Yes, it's been, uh, it was October of last year that we we uh, discussed a record of yours, which was Soul Wax, much against everyone's advice, uh, which was not the uh, instance. Uh, you, it was nobody it was, was against it, but uh, that was the record we checked out. And then before that was Clouds, Penny Century, Pollyanna's Hello Halo, uh deuce is that how you say that deuce deus 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 deuce <laughs> deus <laughs> good old deuce the kiss cover band uh no that was the ideal crash by deus and then it started out back in 2018 manson's six now like manson which we have done two albums I believe this is the second album by this band. Jason, would you like to share with the audience the album and the band that you selected for this episode? I have selected Something for Kate's 1997 album, Beautiful Sharks. Beautiful Sharks. And if you can't tell, Jason's a little under the weather. His, his throat's a little, his voice is a little rough. I am croaking through, but uh, yeah, don't throw to me too much. Okay. <laughs> As mentioned, this is the, well, I think in... Might be different release dates for the U.S. and and um, Australia because you said ninety is ninety seven. Maybe it's ninety nine. I, I think it's ninety nine because elsewhere for eight minutes came out in ninety seven according according to Wikipedia, and according to the Wikipedia, this came out in ninety nine. There you go. There's a Which, deluxe edition on streaming that's ninety nine, but it's like a two disc set. Okay. So. Well. As mentioned, we already talked about this band. Yep. Back, way back. In uh, April 1st of 2014. Wasn't a a fool's joke. It was uh, the the truth. We we talked about it. And I actually went back and listened to that episode, Jay, because I couldn't remember. How did we react to that record? Mm -hmm. And I listened to it on one and a half speed. So we sounded like chipmunks. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to give away our our, uh, reviews. You can go and listen to that episode because all of our previous episodes are free. 
be able to check out. But we do have experience, which means we also covered the history of the band in that episode. So we don't need to do a full history, but there are some things to talk about before we get into the record. Um, This is the first album with Stephanie Ashworth on bass. And she's been the bass player ever since. She also uh, later after this married the lead singer, Mr. Uh, Paul Dempsey. Before this, she was in a band called Sandpit, which we reviewed based oh, on wow, a, okay. a pick by Josh Page. Nice. Yeah. So I'm guessing she she either left Sandpit to join this band or she was in both bands. I'm not sure which what, what was happening there exactly. Um, so this comes out in, uh, 99 on murmur. It was produced like the first record by Brian Paulson. Brian Paulson's worked with a lot of American indie rock bands like slint uncle Tupelo, super chunk, Wilco Sunvolt. He was, he worked with Steve Albini at the studio in Chicago that he has. Um, there were four singles released and this went to number 10 on the Australian albums chart and is certified platinum with 70,000 sales in Australia. And as you mentioned, Jay, this has been re-released. There was a, so the original was the uh, CD and, you know, vinyl, if there was a vinyl at the time, I don't, I don't know if there was a vinyl at the time. And then there's been a expanded reissue that has a bunch of like B-sides and, live versions um they do some covers there's like a cover of ordinary world by duran duran on the on the deluxe edition and um yeah some other stuff alternate versions acoustic versions that kind of thing and then there was like a vinyl reissue in um 2018 through sony music australia so there's copies of that if you want to uh, grab that out there this was as i mentioned the second album it was followed up i i just like the um title of this they they re-released their original ep which was called the answer to both your questions and then they had a single called dean martin so they named the re-release of these two things together q a with dean martin which makes me think that they like sat down with dean martin and asked him questions like it's some sort of interview disc, but it's not. It's just uh, funniness from the band. And they've had, they had uh, a number of albums after this. Actually, the majority of their output is in the 2000s. So this is the second album from the 90s, but then they have um, five albums in the 2000s up to the modern medieval in 2020. So do you know if they've done anything recently? Like, is there any word of new releases or new singles or anything like that from the band? Yeah, I guess the the last decade or so, it's been a something for Kate album, a Paul Dempsey solo album, a something for Kate album. So it's with the modern medieval getting released during COVID and kind of having a, a muted ability to tour and stuff at that point, they've, they're sort of catching up on the touring um, for that album. They've just done an Elsewhere for Eight Minutes tour they're doing an official fiction tour so that was a their fourth album from the early 2000s so that might be a 20th anniversary or tour or something like that so okay they're kind of mixing it up a bit with solo work and you know um 
you know, revisiting old material, no news on on where, what the next album will be, whether that's a solo release from Paul or a, a new band album. Yeah, I was just looking on Spotify and it seems like Paul has a number of releases as well. So in between those five albums that they've put out as a band in the 2000s, he's also put out material up until 2021. Uh, we did do our poll on Patreon to get feedback from our patrons. We'll share that at the end, but uh, we got some comments. Nate Smith said, this is my first running with these guys really liked whatever you want and big screen television. I'm giving it a better EP, but honestly it's unfair. It's unfair ruling because I've only heard the album once. Luckily we listened to it more than once because uh, sometimes our first listen is not always our best listen. And actually going back and listening to the previous episode, I can confirm that I actually said the first time I listened to it, I didn't get it. And then my opinion changed as I listened to it more. So maybe that's just something with this band. Maybe this is a band that just takes a, a few times to listen before you uh, you get into it. But Jay, let's get into it. Tell me one thing you liked about Beautiful Sharks by Something for Kate. It really does a great job conveying a mood. Like this, this album has a uh, a feeling to it. There's a an emotion and like a almost a cinematic or visual quality to it in that, uh, you know, it's built around the voice, which is kind of a raspy, deep voice. I would maybe say like Gavin Rossdale is a voice and and it came to mind when listening to this in terms of tone. Um, I think his singing style is different. He's a little wordier, um, plays a lot more uh, with, with rhythm and phrasing. And I think lyrically it's, our spirit and then anything like that but just from a what does the voice sound like that's the closest i would think of um and then musically you know it's very layered it's restrained um i think i was kind of taken back by how restrained this record can be at times even the songs where they um you know they use they use riffs or you know things get more aggressive they could get a lot more aggressive. It's 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 interesting. Like a song like Before Butterfly Wings is a good example. You listen to that riff in that song and it's kind of played on a dirty electric and the way it's strummed, it's kind of pulling back and it's a little, um, you know, it's not aggressive. It's like trying to play off the vocal and create this whole other mood. up to the sounds of video games very well hear another band or another version of that song where they really lay into that riff and it's heavy another example would be like hallways track two 
I mean, you could go for a really huge guitar sound on that and get to like almost like a shoegaze kind of sound with, with the band, which would, you know, take it to a very different place, but there seems to be a, you know, a really coherent point of view on like making this record restrained in playing with subtlety, uh, doing a lot with, you know, how you layer in the guitars, uh, how they syncopate chord choices, I think are super important here that create the, this thing mood of the record. So a song like electricity is a good example where you start to really hear this interesting choice for like counter, um, chords and melody on the guitar, like the second guitar part, really unusual choices, um, that I think start to define this band a little bit more for me as I get into the record big screen television. And is another example there where, you know, just there's a sparseness to it and these unusual chord choices that really put it in this unusual space. Um, and it kind of pulls you there. Like you're, um, pulled into this. It feels like you're pulled into this scene where, you know, this sound is developing and as you go through it, it starts to get, a little weirder and off kilter sort of in the middle of the record, which I thought was really interesting and uh, kind of pulled me in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a layered nuanced record. Uh, it uses, you know, what um, I think restraint and dynamics to its advantage when it, you know, opens up, it's, you, you feel it, you know, because it's, it's fairly rare uh, on the record where they, you know, get loud. Um, it also uses some organs and some other instruments that like when you were that restrained really help, really, they really pop. Um, and you hear those keys come through like on photograph is a good example where, you know, when that pops, it's so different. And because the rest of the record is so restrained, you just pay attention to it and it just becomes special. So yeah, I think there's there's some interesting things going around there. The mood that this record creates and the sort of the trying to keep things, you know, kind of tempered and layered as opposed to always bombastic, um, you know, for a rock band. So that's that's some of the stuff that worked for me. How about you, Tim? Well, I'm glad you mentioned um Gavin Rossdale because that's literally what we talked about on the first record is <laughs> his, his vocal in that sort mm -hmm. of space. And um, that record was a little bit louder. So hearing them strip back the loudness on this record is I think pointing them in the direction of a little bit more originality, which I like hearing. I think adding um, Stephanie Ashworth on bass she does some really interesting stuff on, and I maybe I'm picking up on it because I'm a you know bass player, so I'm <laughs> listening to bass stuff. But like there are some really really cool bass riffs that she does where, so like Easy has this really nice bass riff, and the guitar is sort of like this flanged guitar that is just sort of playing this very simplistic riff over top and the bass is doing this like broken bass line where the and the drums are sort of just playing straight through and it's a really nice combination of a little bit of noise on top 
and then this not too busy bass line, but there's it's like a riff. It's a bass riff. Um, and weirdly enough, a, a lot of this reminded me of of Radiohead's Amnesiac, which is a weird combination, weird thing to mention. But you mentioned um, big screen television. There are parts of that song that sound like Pyramid Song from, which is like three years later. Like there, there's like these weird, are like little arpeggio parts, and the and the very jazzy sound of that song, yeah. Um, with the with the chord voicings, and it's it's a way more advanced from a like technical standpoint than just like an alt rock band. that like that happens a couple times but that song especially has some really really jazz influenced things happening that sound like what was to come rather than what was happening um and i i do like you mentioned like the restraint that happens they do a really good job of that they also do a really good job of switching up verses so like on um hallways the first verse has a completely different vibe then the second verse the second verse has this like really quick picked like low end thing happening whereas the first verse is much different from that and i like that i like when you aren't just you know verse two same as the first verse maybe you add a second guitar or something like that but again we're talking about a three piece here so everything that's happening is happening with these three players uh, which is stephanie paul and and clint Hinman on drums. There are some. Uh, Glenn Richards sings back up on one song, and Gareth Skinner plays strings on one song. So anything else that's happening is is those three, um, you know, doing the stuff in the studio. Yeah, like uh, this record, at first kind of lulls you in, like, oh, this is going to be, oh yeah, this is the kind of Bush sounding alternative rock band. Mm-hmm. I think you're reacting the same thing I did reacted when you get to electricity and big screen television, all of a sudden weird stuff starts happening. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. You wouldn't hear this on a Bush record. Like right. this guitar part and that voice, that chord choice and whoa. Okay. And you start to listen to the record completely different from that point forward. Right. Jason, you're the suggester of this record. I know your voice is a little hoarse, but can you give us a few thoughts on, on what works for you? Look, um, yeah, I, I didn't actually really listen to this album in full until the early 2000s. I, I, I bought Electric, the Electricity CD single when it came out. It was one of the first ever 
uh, Australian bands, I, I went out and got the single as a, as a high school student. And I love that song. It's just that, that really angular riff on, on top of the sort of swing rhythm section at the back. And, and that, um, you know, as, as a 16 year old or 17 year old or whatever I was, um, you know, really connected to that. And then when I came back and, you know, they were touring at college and I started seeing, you know, getting uh, more familiar with the back catalogue. Um, it is just a lot of these chord choices, you know, it's a lot of, it's not just one and five sort of chords. It's a lot of seconds and fourths and things. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he's he, the Paul Dempsey's like six foot seven. So he's got these giant hands that can stretch across like six frets or five frets <laughs> for chords. So he can do some really great shapes that just put in these notes that you don't quite expect and, and, and give, a lot of depth to the guitar that you wouldn't expect necessarily from a three piece. Um, but yeah, he's in, and his voice is divisive. I remember kids at school just hating the band flat out just because they hated his voice and just the way they came. And, you know, it, this album, even to the band's fans was divisive at the time because they come from this really heavy space and everyone um, you know, and then they started bringing this sort of sound into it, you know, the keyboards and and not just playing flat out all the time. Um, you know, you look at, uh, I think it's Daz on the Dig Me Out Discords who loved Elsewhere and some of those EPs and then thought everything they've done from this album on has been, um, you know, not to his cup of tea. But, yeah, I, it's just got a lot of depth to it. And I, and I did really connect to it. And um, Paul, Paul has developed his singing voice so much since those early days. He's, he's, he's almost a crooner now in, in, in what he does. He goes on, you know, the uh, popular rock radio stations and does covers of Wrecking Ball and Danger Zone. And, um, you know, he's kind of a go-to veteran of the scene that they, they just get to sing anything, goes on the TV shows to sing sing covers and things so he's um yeah it's it's uh, and they've still got this really solid fan base here and um it's been a really good journey to watch them watch them maintain that and this album was really where it started for me and it's the one I connected with the most at that time compared to their earlier work and I think it is just because of that depth and and kind of those you know, as a Radiohead fan, some of those similarities and kind of um, not the complexity, but you know what I mean, just having mm-hmm. having a few few interesting choices within a song to just um, catch your ear. Well, I'm glad you mentioned electricity because that definitely has some like weird um, voicings. I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's that like not something you would hear in an alt rock song like odd lead part um and i looked up i was looking up the the tab and it's like you met you mentioned him having a bigger hands and i can tell by the way that some of these chords are voiced across multiple strings and multiple frets where you've got like twos and fives and you're like well i know how i know how far two and five are apart and uh that's how they like you're usually two fret or three frets apart if you're playing like a power chord you know you got your 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 one and your three so if you're going to two and five that's 
you're using like your pinky to stretch if you're like my size if you have bigger hands yeah then you can like hit that hit that stretch with with ease So that definitely gives you an advantage in terms of creating more interesting sounds when you can stretch outside of the normal, you know, bar chord shape, which is what a lot of players do. Um, some of the other notes that I had were on, I, like you, Jay, I, I, I picked up on, there's a really nice crafted use of fuzz and noise. It happens in some songs like, slow dance about halfway through a fuzzed guitar kicks in um same things happens with um uh on on before butterfly wings and then on electricity the the vocals actually distorted in the chorus which i liked i like that this it this could have been an overwhelmingly noisy record but the the fact that they craft it in certain places makes it to me much more interesting than just a, a a onslaught of of noise and and whatnot now you know playing live you could definitely like amp this up if you wanted to and get a little heavier or not necessarily heavier but noisier um and it is a it starts out slow that's slow it starts out like sort of mid-tempo ish um and never really kicks into like a faster speed but there's definitely like a, a an intensity level that that kicks up as the record you know moves along um but i did like that i liked it would have been easy to just layer a lot of noise and guitars and call it a day so bringing back in backing off of that makes you you know appreciate what they're doing as far as some of these stranger chord choices and angular it's weird to talk about it like it is pretty angular in places but it's not angular in like a staccato-ish math rock way. It's angular in more of a sleeky, sleek jazz kind of way, even though it's not purely jazz. Yeah, it's the dynamic is different. It's not as uh, abrasively angular. It's more of like a sly. <laughs> right. Like, oh, okay, wait, there's something weird going on there. That's different. And then as you pull it apart, you're like, whoa, that is really weird. I definitely uh, found it worked subtle. better in headphones mm. uh, than just listening to it on my like desk speakers, which are not yeah. my, it's not just don't clear. I'm not talking about my laptop speakers, which are crap. I actually yeah. have like real speakers on my desk so I can listen to it. But I found when I had, I could hear the things entering and exiting and there's like subtle little like keyboard. And you mentioned organ parts that don't necessarily come through when you're just like listening to it 
yeah. passively on on speakers when you put the headphones on and actually listen to it you can hear a lot of little things tucked in here and there which makes it more rewarding as a listen mm -hmm. um what doesn't work for you on the record jay it's a it's a grower man it's not an easy like listen to it a couple times absorb it kind of record um it took me a lot of focus and time to really I think to start to get into it and for some of the hooks to grab hold and for the moments I think to happen, meaning like a lot of passive listens were spent before I really discerned anything, any moments were, that were remarkable or really caught my ear. It was sort of just, you know, flowing um, over me and I wasn't really engaging with it. I had to really take the time you know, on repeated listens to like take notes and really focus. And I found as I did that, I pulled the record apart more. I understood it better. Things started to like, you know, um, you know, come back to me um, in terms of, you know, remembering hooks or anticipating them. So it was a, it was a little bit of work um, to get into the record. And I think that's partially, um, the production choices and just the dynamic choices that we talked about, like that restraint, that's the flip side of it. You know, there's depth there, but you got to put the time in to get to it. It's not going to be on the surface. Um, and maybe his vocal too. You know, I think the way he tends to sing, not necessarily the tone, but like the delivery, it's, um, I don't want to say it's, it, it's emotional, but it's like a very down kind of delivery. You know, he's, he almost sounds like exhausted <laughs> when he's singing. <laughs> and he, again, the dynamic is subtle and you really got to spend some time with it to, to, to start to pick up on the nuance and how the, ch you know, the changes happen. And then we start to pick up on like, Oh, well, when he stops there, the, when he delivers this line, that's really cool. Um, and it really sets this part up, you know, well and like but all that nuance i think not just with the music but also vocally to me takes takes a good amount of time uh to really start to appreciate and and dig into so that's my biggest issue with the record it's in 2023 with with streaming and everything else i found it is uh it's a little bit of work to to really get i think to what this album has to offer. What didn't work for you, Tim? Yeah, it's it's not a blatantly catchy record. So you do have to work through a couple times of picking up what what are what are the memorable parts. Um, there's a lot of really interesting and cool parts that I liked hearing as I was listening to it, but. Um, and it was similar with the, you know, when I listened to what we talked about in the first record, the first record isn't instantly catchy, but there's a lot of stuff happening that makes you go back and listen to it and go, oh, that's, yeah, I like that part there. And it's similar with this record. It's, this is just a little bit quieter than the first record. I, you know, the thing is, is that I like his voice, but in doses, I'll tell you now, we both went EP on the first record and that kind of is my where we're going to end up here again because 
I really like like six or seven songs and then I'm just like out in terms of like, I don't, I don't want to hear a full album because it's, if they kicked out, like if they kicked off uh, a song with like two minutes of just rocking out, like I just, I need that from them. I think of just, of just like letting loose for a song or two, as opposed to getting a little bit loud, adding a little bit distortion but they never really hit a, a an area where I feel like they're going to like lose control. Like it's very mannered and very crafted, but not like I could hear him and I could hear the band being capable of it, but they just never kind of get there. And I kind of wish that they did at some point. So like you like the restraint and I think I'm on the same page, the concept of the restraint because it's making the band unique right you know i don't mind having to work for it a little bit but i think i am with you too where maybe one of the missing things is just a couple punches to the face (laughs) or something to just really like wake the record up because as it sits right now it's real easy to just kind of get lost in it and it just starts to feel all the same and you really if you focus you're like oh no that's part is really different and that's much louder and a it's maybe just a little too subtle. Yeah. Jason, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? Yeah. I mean, look, it's, I, it, no, I can't, nothing that does come to mind. It's, it's something that does feel pretty similar all the way through. I mean, I should know this record better than most people. And like, you know, I'm looking at the names on the other screen here and I'm, yeah, you know, I have to think about what, what each is quite carefully. And I've, I've seen this band 30 or 40 times, literally it's, it's not, you know, I have put the time in. So it is, uh, yeah, I, I, I can see where you both are coming from. Um, but yeah, it becomes one piece to me rather than kind of picking at things discreetly. I think the other thing, but go with it. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. But, uh, I, I think one of the other things I would have liked on on the song "Beautiful Sharks," um, she sings harmony a little bit on that song, and I would have. I, I you know what I'm talking about. There's like a, there's a part where uh, Stephanie sings. I would have liked to have heard more of that. Like it just yeah. adds a nice touch to. It's such a nice counter to his. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what is it what it's not a baritone but it's it's a it's a deeper voice it's kind of interesting because it's a darker voice but it's not a low register he's kind of he kind of has this a multi-register voice at the same time mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I would have liked to have heard that or or him doubling more or something like that just just to add a little sweetness because there's a lot of down and and melancholy on this record and the lyrics are also that way from when I was picking up on what he was singing. Um, so I would have just liked to have heard just a little bit more on that end. Um, which, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the harmonies there. It took me many listens to pick up on like, Oh, there's a harmony here. That's really cool. Yep. Why don't I get more of those? Why are they louder? <laughs> yeah. So this uh, let's talk about the the big picture on this. 
Um, this did well in Australia. Do you know? Do you know if it well, like won any awards or anything like that, or was this up for like any uh, any album yeah, of the year or anything like that? Nothing that jumps out. I mean, obviously, gotcha. you know, but all four singles, or you know, the majority of them would have featured in the hottest one hundred of that year. You know, the, the local radio station uh, polls, you know, probably up for an ARIA award, but no, I don't have. Don't have anything in mind that they they were like any specifics. Well, I, what I find interesting is that this is the second album in a row where they worked with an American producer. They ended up moving to the United States in like 2010. Um, I don't know if they've moved back to Australia, but they live in yeah. New York City. They had a couple of uh, Paul and Steph had a couple of years in Brooklyn and then moved back. Okay, so they were clearly like trying to. I don't know, maybe get into the American market with working with the American producer and moving to the United States. Um, I can't imagine anything less in tune with 1999 than this, this album in terms of the U S I mean, this is so opposite of American radio at that point. Um, and even the underground was like, you know, it's like modest mouse and death cab and, I guess maybe Death Cab would be a comparison because they were like very slow at the beginning and very mm -hmm. slow, but they were they were slower, more deliberate, yeah. a lot of space in those early two albums, two or three albums. Um, but in terms of breaking through into like mainstream radio, I don't this doesn't really have any possibility in 99 in the US in, the, in Australia, maybe because um, I know that they're a little more friendly to um, not everything has to sound the same <laughs> at the same time. We don't get the, you don't get the homogenized radio that we get here sometimes where it's like this station just plays all this now and you don't really have a much of a wide selection. I guess college radio might've picked up on it a little bit, but that by the end of the decade, it was probably a lost cause for something so sort of, I don't want to say intricate, but just it's not a you're not going to listen to this as the Virgin Megastore in 99 and be like, oh, this this is a hit single right here. Like you're going to have to spend time with it. I don't know if you or I picked this up at a listening booth um, and put on the headphones that we would have been like sold immediately. Right. Whereas listening to the record in whole, I go, oh, OK, I see what the charm is here. Yeah. I see what's in, what's interesting about it, but that's uh that's uh in the past now. So let's deal with the present and share our ratings. As I mentioned, we both went EP on the first record, Jay. So where do you land on this one? Is it a worthy album, but better EP or a decent single? I'm still at an ep the ep has grown <laughs> um when i first did my notes i've added a couple songs since then uh that are starting to grow on me so uh just again proving this this record takes time uh to get into it so i'm at hallways electricity big screen television the astronaut before butterfly wings anchorman which has got a really, I think one of the stronger courses on the record and photograph uh, would be my EP. Where are you at, Tim? 
I'm also at an EP. Um, a lot of this, well, somewhat of the same. I would go hallways, beautiful sharks, electricity, big screen TV. And then I like easy slow dance before butterfly wings and anchorman. So I'm at eight songs, which is pretty close to an album. Um, so I would just, I just uh, bounce four songs, which I don't think is unfair. Um, not that it's a super long record, but I think um, those are the best of the bunch. And uh, I was at a seven song EP on the first one. So I've actually gone up a song on this one. Oh, so I feel like okay. that's an improvement uh, from my appreciation of this band. Now, you were at six to eight. You, you couldn't decide. You were like, I'm between six and eight songs, which is actually seven. So you could have just said seven last time. I got seven again this time. And you're so. at seven this time. So there you go. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say this is a worthy album for you, Jason. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Well, our patrons actually agreed with, uh, I believe you. They went 67% worthy album. better EP. So we're on the losing end of this. That's all right. I'm glad people like it. Yeah. We do have a large Australian contingent who might have tipped the poll in their favor. (laughs) Maybe we need to do a, maybe we need to like have some sort of um, proportional representation. You know, we set up districts. And assign uh, voting blocks based on those by the population of those districts. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you, uh, for people who have never heard the band, uh, which might be some of the votes, it is interesting in that you know at a at a, at a first listen, it is familiar sounding. You know, mm-hmm. it sounds a little like Bush. It sounds a little bit like um, even parts of it reminded me of like. Counting Crows, parts of it reminded me of Verve Pipe. You know, just little snippets and sounds, you know, right. uh, are familiar. So I could see how it now, if you're fresh to the record, you know, that would be an, ir- an easy entry into like, okay, I get generally what the sound of this band is. But then as you listen to it more, you know, it's it obviously reveals itself to be being totally different than that or unique in its own way. So, right. I, I definitely can see how new, you know, Americans who in particular, who probably never heard this band before uh, this, this might resonate, you know, uh, quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's familiar, but just a little bit off of w- what you're expecting, which could be fun. Yes. Well, Jason, thank you for bringing this to us. We've now completed the something for Kate nineties run. Yeah. Uh, very few bands have had that happen paw uh manson um any others i don't know oh there you go i've got two or three there's only like yeah this is rare air as they say (laughs) waiting to the 2000s version to dig me out to start uh really bringing the uh well we've uh you know there's there's opportunity there and running out of 90s albums to be honest pardon I'm running out of 90s albums to nominate these days. It's true. Uh, There are very few 90s albums left that we haven't covered. So (laughs) there's only... Only the popular ones are left. 
Only the Bob. Yes, only the Bob Euler ones. <laughs> uh, but thank you. Um, appreciate you. Uh, you know, fighting through your your um, halfway voice. You're 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 losing your voice there. So, uh, my I wife had laryngitis. Live. I haven't caught live on the podcast yet, so that's a that's a win. <laughs> well, my wife had laryngitis last week, and it was completely gone. So I, I completely understand you're in the fall end of the season. We're in the spring summer end when the pollen is flying around like, like snow here in Ohio. I'm sure you don't miss that Jay when the uh, cottonwoods are raining uh, down and the s- streets are literally covered with just white pollen and it looks like snow. Yeah. And we have green pollen here. So it's just a different still, still got pollen, just different pollen cedar pollen the earth is trying to kill us yeah. it wants us gone mm-hmm. uh but we don't want you gone we want you to join us <laughs> dig me out oh, what a stigma. <laughs> we're not trying to kill you <laughs> we're not trying to kill you yet uh we'd like you to join us at uh the union by going to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com where you can join to vote in polls just like this one and for a monthly review tournaments where 27 albums enter over three weeks of polls. And then the final six are voted on by our patrons for an episode every month. And you can suggest those records. Anyone can suggest them. You don't have to be a patron by going to digmeoutpodcast.com and going to our suggest an album page. It's also where you can go to sign up for the box newsletter every week. Two reviews of new movies, music, TV shows, books relevant to 80s, 90s, and aughts music that we talk about. And a release calendar. There is There are some heavy weeks coming up. They're like in June, there's like some weeks where there's like 10 albums that we'll be covering. Everybody decided this summer was going to be album summer. Uh, just a lot of new stuff and it just like it's just getting announced like that Foo Fighters record comes out in like a week and it was just announced like a month ago uh stuff like that so and just today I added uh to our release calendar uh coming up this year we've got uh the, another Juliana Hatfield covers album is coming out uh new records by uh, another guided by voices record believe it or not uh Teenage Fan Club has a new record coming out Ministry um stained if you like stained uh def leopard just released a new record yes just released a new record yes that was shocking to me john mellencamp has a new album coming out in june blur has a new album coming out in july i mean there's just there's so much stuff uh coming out there's you know stones queens of stone age have a new album out next month um did uh, the, the dead milkman <laughs> i haven't heard from the dead milkman in a long oh time. my goodness are you serious yes wow matchbacks 20 just put out a new record rufus wainwright has a new record coming out seven dust pj harvey and of course one of our favorites brad the final brad release is coming out yeah. very soon so i mean it's just this is gonna be a summer chock full of of a lot of releases so join the newsletter and you, you'll stay up to date on all that stuff and then um, lastly, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. iTunes, 
fucking goddamn Apple Podcasts. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) When did they make that switch, Jay? Wow. A long time ago. That was a long time ago. (laughs) You can you can listen to this on eight track. I mean uh, the internet. Jeez. Okay. Apple Podcasts. Leave us some positive feedback. Uh, don't mention my inability to remember uh, simple things. It's okay. You're not alone on that one. People are still saying iTunes. Sorry. It's like when I say I need to go videotape something and I'm like, <laughs> I haven't videotaped anything since the 90s. Well, even don't need- like saying I need to DVR something. Like, I'm, <laughs> I don't, is that still a thing? Do people still do that? I don't do that. No. No. Okay. For JM Tim, we're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Mm-hmm.